me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another edition of Two Up Front. I'm Baxter Colburn, joined by Simon Provan. It's been a while since we've been on the air together, Simon, but we are back and better than ever. How are you doing today? I'm doing much better than I was last week, I'll tell you that. You so. were. You were <laughs> sleep-deprived. You yes. were. I, we felt so bad that we had to cancel the show, but it was for a good cause. You were in the process of opening your show. Uh, you're the, one of the theater professors at the college that we uh, both go to, and uh, it was opening weekend, and everything went well for Everything that? went great, yeah. We had a wonderful show, but yeah, it was up till midnight or longer, six days in a row, so it was, I can uh, see how you'd need a day yeah, off for that. Yeah. But you, you offered it to me, and I gladly took you. I'm, I'm so, so glad you. that you that you took it, Simon. But we are back. We have two shows this week, so definitely keep an eye out for that. We are here today and then our normal time on Thursday as well. Uh, we've got a lot of exciting stuff to talk about today and on Thursday as well. Uh, Allison Phillips from the Wisconsin Sports Group is going to be here today, so we're excited to have her on shortly. Uh, but before we get to her, Simon, uh, where can the good people find us on social media? They can find us on Facebook at 2 Upfront, and then... On Twitter at 2UpFrontSoccer. That is correct. And you can also listen to our show right here on Spreaker.com as well. And then for those of you, you can also watch us on TheCube.com as well. So there's multiple different ways to keep an eye on us. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We continue to grow. Uh, but, Simon, I... You're going to laugh at me. I, I had a thought this morning as I was in the shower, Simon, and normally that's not I'm, a very I'm good I'm already segue. a little uncomfortable here. It is, and I'm <laughs> sorry about that. And I don't know why, of all places, this is where I had this thought, but I had this thought that I miss Landon Donovan. Really? Randomly in the shower, yeah. I'm like, you know, I miss Landon Donovan. Although I appreciate the commercial he has with Wells Fargo. I love Don that commercial. Oban. Yes, that's a great commercial. It's what I don't know the the hat trick guy or whoever. Right. The other yes. guy. Like he's hat the best Dan. player. Yeah, yeah. Pass the ball to him. But um, I just I miss him after watching the Dos Azero victory for the uh, U.S. Men's National Team. MLS season is in full swing, and now I'm like, oh, I miss Landon Donovan. Like I knew, like I knew it was he wasn't going to play anymore, obviously. But for some reason, in the shower, I was like. Hmm, wonder how Landon Donovan's doing. I don't know why. Yeah, reality, I, reality I do my deepest you. thinking in the shower, I think. Right, that's, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. I do a lot of show planning in the shower. No, I, I still, I'd still love to see him with the U.S. team. I mean, uh, he's, got, he's got plenty of left in the tank as far as physically. But, I think so. You know, yeah. mentally he doesn't, he doesn't and that's, yeah. that's very important to keep in mind. You so. need both aspects. It's yeah. one thing to be able to run up and down a field and score goals, but if you're not passionate about it and mentally there, it's not going to be Yeah, anything. and it sounds like he's actually, you know, he's been dealing with depression issues for years mm. and I'll frankly say people don't give him enough credit for that you know you break a leg and people expect you to take the time to recover yeah uh, that's a bigger conversation we need to have in this country about if 
you got something going on wrong in the upstairs, yeah. you got to get that taken care of too. Exactly. So and, and some of that, there's concussion protocol, there's all that kind of stuff that can lead into it. But yeah, I, I had that thought today. I'm like, oh, Simon would appreciate that. Landon Donovan, what I got. I was a big fan. I still was, am. Yeah, still I am, am too. And as we have a, a Julian Green jersey behind <laughs> us, it's kind of ironic anyway. But uh, Simon, uh, I know you're excited about the announcements we have Very today. Very excited. But, um, we it's only awesome. can say it in such, a, in such a way, but not the same way as that Allison Phillips can. So I'd like to welcome Allison onto the show now. Come on in here, Allison. We're excited to Hi, have guys. her back. Thank you. Thank you for you having me back. You didn't bring Everton with you this No, week. I was smart this time. Ah, well, <laughs> I, I had a good time with him. He was a nice guy. Very witty. Well, he's okay. Brazilians he's right, are like yeah, that, I guess. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just kind of how it is. But we're excited to have you he back. He shows me up a little bit, so I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to come back. That's kind of how Simon and I are, too. You know, like, he kicks me out of eyes. Like, okay, you're not. Go, right, go right, away, right, you know. Exactly. But it, it's kind of how it is. But we're excited to have you back. You've got some new announcements uh, for the Wisconsin Sports Group, but then also for our show as well. So we'll let you we'll hand the mic over to you. All right. Well, first of all, we're really, really excited that we are now sponsoring this wonderful radio show that you guys have going on. Um, we're, I think, your first official sponsor. First, you are. Congratulations. Sponsor. So woo, we're excited you. about that. And um, we look forward to like partnering up with a lot more things coming on that Wisconsin Sports Group has to offer. Um, and and I'll say that you're already working on a logo for the show. You are, yes. Very close to we're having very a completed one. For that. Yeah, we. I think it looks pretty good so far. So I don't know when you guys are going to unveil that, but it'll um, be a huge party. I'm sure we'll have a gala, mm-hmm. uh, big gala. Can I be invited? Yes. Yeah, of course. All sure. right. Yeah. All right. So, In fact, but, I, I think it'll be the three of us. Okay. Probably <laughs> be the three of us. Like, look, here's the logo. Oh, cool! It looks All good. Right. It looks good. Yay! And cheers, water or something, you know. But uh, but no, that's exciting. exciting. The yeah. first official sponsor of Two Up Front. Uh, the partnership I need to thank Simon for because you guys go way back, whether or not you admit to being friends with him or not in college. You were, and uh, we had you in Everton on a few weeks ago to talk about the Wisconsin Sports Group and the PFL, the Professional Futsal Mm -hmm. League. And now not only is the partnership between the two of us growing, the WSG is also growing. Yeah, we, um, we, the WSG, Wisconsin Sports Group, is Keith Tozer. Um, who's the commissioner of PFL, um, myself, and then Everton, who played for Milwaukee Wave and now Chicago Mustangs. So it's a pretty good group of three different people coming mm-hmm. together who all have different, you know, st- strengths at different things. So we're, we're excited about that. And it's growing a lot faster than we thought it would. Um, we it's a do, good problem to have. I know, right? Can't <laughs> complain. Um, we have some exciting news for anybody who wants to come down next Tuesday at Lincoln Park at 11 o'clock. Um, we are holding a press conference. To Lincoln Park in Milwaukee, not, Lincoln, not Chicago. Not Chicago. No, Thank no. You. Lincoln sure. Park, yes, yes in Lincoln Milwaukee, Park, Wisconsin. Park That's nothing against Lincoln Park in Chicago. Just no. want to make sure. No, that but I don't want to send people to the wrong press right, conference. Exactly. Be like, yeah. where is everybody? Be like, ah, oh, you're so close, yet so far. <laughs> but look, yeah, <laughs> I don't even have anything witty to say to that. Um, but yeah, Lincoln Park in Milwaukee. Uh, 11 o'clock, we are going to have a press conference um, with us in Milwaukee County Parks. So Okay, for a big unveiling that you can't reveal yes, that yet. Yes, I cannot tell you, otherwise nobody will show up. It'll be worth right. it, though. It'll <laughs> definitely be worth it. But it will be worth, be worth it, and I hope you guys can make it as well. And Hoping, yeah. Maybe my, if my professor lets me out of class in time, hopefully I'll, okay. I'll get there. We'll but work on it, work on we'll it. We'll have to see. What, what class are you taking at that uh, time? It's, it's Theater 210, I think, is uh, what it is. Okay. So it's Professor oh, oh, Simon I'll Proven. talk to the guy. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you know him. He's a nice guy. But He's okay. He's yeah. okay, too. He yeah. shows me up, too. <laughs> uh, but that's exciting, though. And then as the, the PFL continues to grow as well, you guys have a lot of yeah, exciting they just, things. Um, it, they just announced Supercopa uh, okay. 2015 in Orlando. Wow. Um, that's going to be taking place in August, I believe, the first weekend in August. Okay. Don't quote me on that, but I believe it is the first weekend. Um, so that's going to be huge. They have... What? What is the Supercopa? They are announcing teams, um, but right now, 
Is it like the World Cup, basically, of futsal? And you you have a big uh, player coming from Brazil? Mm -hmm. You do. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Yeah, we do. We're excited for that. That'll definitely be a great time. We are. Um, Okay, so we have that going on. Um, But you can check out the uh, professionalfutsalleague.com. They'll have all that information up there. But, and they have more stuff that they're releasing weekly, so um, a lot of exciting stuff coming that way. And well, that's we, exciting. Yeah, that's definitely going to be continues to grow. And it's, is it going to be at the Wide World of Sports down here? Yes, in? it's okay. at the ESPN Complex. Yep, gorgeous and facility. The, what, what's nice is also going on at the same time, which leads into um, my, our next thing is we're doing the World uh, Futsal Tournament. Okay. We're holding it um, May 29th, 30th, 31st, down at the Milwaukee Sports Complex. Okay. Um, but what your team then can qualify to go down to um, Disney World and then compete in the USA World Futsal Championship. Wow. So they have all youth coming from Brazil to Germany to everywhere to kind of play in this. Okay. And the Supercopa goes on as well. So it's like kind of a fun it's a package. Huge event. It it's is. going to yeah. be huge. And, and the event taken down at the uh, t- uh, going down at the Milwaukee Sports Complex mm-hmm. that is the only one in the Midwest happening it for is qualification. The only one. Yeah, so so any everybody coming from St. Louis to Minneapolis are going to come down that's the only place that they can compete because you have to compete to get invited down to the USA one down in Orlando. Okay. And now how do the specifics work if you place in a certain spot or do you have to win your group to to go or a certain amount of teams in a group will go or are all those details still kind of being figured out? They're probably all figured probably, out, yeah. and Everton probably knows the answer. See, that's to why all you should have brought Everton. Now you know. See, but now there's an excuse for him to come on. Exactly. I do know, like the people that qualify, they'll get down there. Um, okay. And so we teased a little bit about the Brazilian player that's going to be there, Falco. Yes. Is, yes. Is is the player that will be? To just want to make that official for everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Thank teased you. him a little bit, but uh, that's pretty cool. I mean, he's he's a World Cup veteran. He is. To have him down there for an event like this, it shows how big it is. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be amazing, and they're still releasing more information on that, like we. So um, we will release that as well on our Facebook page, but you can like PFLs as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's exciting. So there's so many f- exciting things with futsal that are coming on. Mm-hmm. And we have also have our summer camps. So and, and, you know, to put out there, the nice thing with us is we're the only futsal league, a plug for us, uh, futsal league camp and everything in all of Wisconsin area, actually anywhere, that has Keith Tozer, who's not just the you know commissioner of PFL, but he's the head coach of the U.S. national team. There you go. He's scouting. So, scouting yeah, early. Yeah, he can scout. And he actually, there are stories, success stories, which we're going to be posting of people that he found at oh, different IT camps and stuff. So wow. it can happen. And you guys were just down, last time we talked to you, you guys were down in Texas. You mm-hmm. had an opportunity we to, to go Dallas down there. and the uh, PFL. Yep, and that was kind of a, an unveiling party, as it were, for right. some of that things. You yeah, guys played. Over 5,000 people in yeah, attendance sold out. for the yep. games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, the yeah. sport is growing rapidly, and I know that uh, you say that, you know, it's kind of crazy how fast the growth is for Wisconsin Sports Group, but the Professional Futsal League as well continues in the opening day. is isn't even until, you, is it the fall, I think, is when yeah, you said? Oh, next year. November 2016. So they still have another year before right. this league officially opens, but it's the, the following that you're already obtaining is just massive, and it's, it's, it's incredible to see. Mm-hmm. It, it's exciting because, like, two years ago when Keith said the word futsal to me, I had no idea what he was even yeah. talking about. And then I'd go into meetings and say futsal, and nobody knew. And now I can go into a meeting and say futsal, and people are people excited are like, oh, about it. Oh, yeah, futsal, yeah. 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 And a person. I remember when you on Facebook had posted, hey, I'm going to be working with the Wisconsin Sports Group and trying to grow the sport of futsal. And there were four or five of your friends who said, 
What? Did you have a what a, an error on that? What, right. what do you mean futsal? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they still probably don't. They're theater. Um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, those yeah. theater people. Yeah. They don't understand. Yeah. Autocorrects not working again. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, even for me too. Like I didn't know what futsal was until I moved to Florida because the Hispanic population in Florida they live and breathe futsal. I mean, you can play beach soccer, you know, outdoor soccer, futsal, indoor. Like we play it all down in Florida, but futsal is huge, especially mm-hmm. for the not as uh, well-incomed families, you know, those kids, they, they have basically one ball and they play on the streets, and futsal is the game that they adapt. And you, you want those guys on your team because they have just fantastic technical yeah, abilities. It's, that's just it. It's so great for, for developing not only technical abilities but quick decision-making. Yes. Um, you know, the, I, I coach at Strike FC, which is out in Lake Country here in Wisconsin, and um, my daughter, my U8 daughter, plays, and it's amazing – seen the difference from going out of winter last year to where, yeah, they played on a gym court, but it wasn't really traditional futsal. Mm-hmm. So you really should sign them up for our league. No, oh, Is that where we're there going with go. this? We could, yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to her about that. <laughs> we can host a play there. Yeah. Play. Uh-huh. We can coach a team at the Midwest Qualifier yeah. and take them right. to Disney. That'd be but, a good But home. seeing the difference that we had our first um, outdoor games mm-hmm. um, after the winter just on Saturday, which is why I'm so sunburned, <laughs> it, it's amazing how much quicker they are on the ball mm-hmm. just from just from the winter playing well because it's, it's yeah they get more touches on the ball you know with a heavier ball and everything and less players i mean it's it that's why i think people of the outdoor game really do respect it and mm-hmm. like it because mm-hmm. most players not in the united states as much but everywhere else do play that like yeah. everton grew up playing it right you know and yeah. then he played outdoor and indoor but he grew up that's his sport you know yeah well there's a reason the Brazilian team has won five World Cups. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And somehow Germany, I don't know how they keep winning World Cups. They're just really good. At, they just mastered the outdoor game, I think, as a whole. But no, I, I even just as a player, too, I'm playing futsal. It's intramural futsal right now here at the college, but it still is helping my touches. I don't play as much as I used to, but it certainly helps because that quick decision-making. And then you go outside, and you're like, wow, I'm like seven miles faster than everybody else just mm-hmm. because I played futsal. I was in that confined area. And then once you have all that space, it's like, wow, it's such a totally different game. And you take that for granted sometimes. But futsal is just an exciting, fast-paced game that more people really should get involved with. I hope so. They yeah. should. Why not? That's why not. And it sounds like Simon. it's happening. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> people are getting involved with it. Well, I do have a question. For social media purposes, um, do you guys have, like, an official hashtag or anything that people can find, like PFL Futsal or any of that fun stuff? I know it's kind of redundant, but... Or a hashtag that we could get started. Or a hashtag that we could get started. Yeah, we start don't the have revolution. a hashtag, but we should start one. You should, okay. Because I was wondering, because before the show, I was, like, trying to hashtag it appropriately for the platforms and stuff, and I'm like, I just hashtag Futsal, because I was like, I don't know if there's a... A, a, a branded futsal one. Oh, that, that, as well. that, that'd even be a fun social media contest. There you go. What's the best yeah. hashtag? With a, yeah. There we go. Win a Wisconsin Sports Group T-shirt or something. Hey, yeah, that would be awesome. That would be a great idea. Okay. Well, thank you, Allison. We really well, thank appreciate you guys. it. Yeah. And hope to see you next Tuesday and hope that you sign up for a team for your daughter. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, Allison Phillips. <laughs> Anything else I can do? You guys let me know. Sounds good. Right. You're already doing plenty for us, and we're excited for the partnership between Two Up Front and the Wisconsin Sports Group and just the continued growth of WSG as a whole. Wonderful. Thank so, you, guys. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank Enjoy you. the rest of your day, and thanks for coming on. All right, Simon, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Dosa Zero ringing still from the lands of Texas. We're going to chat about the U.S. men's national team 2-0 victory over Mexico. And then Jill Ellis has released her official 2015 Women's World Cup roster. We're going to chat about that and so much more when we come back. This is Two Up Front. Don't go anywhere.
Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, Simon, we had a great little first segment as Allison Phillips from the Wisconsin Sports Group jumped in to announce the new partnership between Two Up Front and the Wisconsin Sports Group. They are the first official sponsor of our show. We are very, very excited for that. They're in the process of developing a logo for us. There's all kinds of crazy stuff that's happening, so we're very excited to be joined with Wisconsin Sports Group, but especially with a nice person like Allison Absolutely, as well. Absolutely, man. It's uh, you know we talked last week about it. it's amazing how we just keep growing, and I feel like every time we're coming on here, we got something new to There's say. There's nothing so wrong with that, right? We're keep being growing. looked out for, and I'm very appreciative of. It. But yeah, how awesome to have you know six shows into our into our relationship here, mm-hmm. we we have an official sponsor. That's that's awesome. It's huge, yeah, and it's it's really exciting to see just how far the show has come in just a short amount of time. Now, speaking of developments uh, within the soccer community, obviously our partnership is good, but one other partnership that continues to grow is the relationship between Michael Bradley and Jurgen Klinsmann and the U.S. men's national team as a whole. We saw the U.S. men's national team defeat Mexico 2-0. What, al- what else would the scoreline be? Exactly. Right? I was like, once it, when, it was, when it was 1-0, I was like, okay, one thing, two things is going to happen. Either Mexico is going to score and it's going to end 1-1, or we're going to score again and it's going to be Dos Zero and the people are going to go crazy. And sure enough, Juan Agudelo. I'm interested to see if... If, if the U.S. were to beat Mexico 3-0, how the American fans would respond to that? <laughs> because be like, I'd almost, I'd almost be nervous for that to happen. I, I don't. Has it ever happened? I don't know if we've ever gone 3-0 before. Uh, well, not since not since that night in Columbus when uh, they that's were true. going oh, to that's qualify right. for the that's right. 2002 World Cup. I remember that's what people that. forget, that it goes all the way back to th- 2001, that's the right. Dose 0. So. It's a long-standing tradition, and I think some people think it's, you know, the U.S.-Mexico rivalry is, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine, how it doesn't translate over into any other sports. Right. You don't yep. hear about a USA-Mexico basketball game or right. a baseball game. It's like, no, it's USA-Mexico soccer, rightfully so. You know, Mexico is a huge soccer community, and the U.S. continues to grow in their development as well. So it, that relationship makes sense. I think the other thing that plays a huge part into it is up until the 90s, Obviously, Mexico completely dominated the U.S. They did. But ever since, I believe it was a U.S. Cup win, old tournament the U.S. Wow. used to have. back in the day. Back in the day. I want to say it was like 93 or something like that. The U.S. beat Mexico. And ever since then, when Mexico comes to the U.S., the U.S. pretty much dominates it. At the same time, let's be honest, when the U.S. goes down to Mexico, except for this last World Cup yeah. cycle, it's usually a Mexican win. Gosh, so. Azteca is just a scary place to play. And we're going to dive into that a little bit later on right. in the show, talking about the... Uh, CONCACAF Champions League final as well. But, yeah, a 2-0 win for the United States. Uh, goals coming from the most unlikeliest of heroes, <laughs> uh, Jordan Morris, a true Hollywood story, as it were. He was a little hyped before the before the uh, match, saying he's getting his first start. I was surprised when I heard he was starting. I was like, okay, Glensman, what the heck are you doing here? But you know what? You have to sometimes throw a young, upcoming, talented player to the wolves, as it were, and say, just, just go. The only way you're going to learn is if you start – and go through sometimes. And you're going to have one of two reactions to that. You're either going to be nervous as all get out. He was that terrified. That you can't perform, that you can't perform, or you're going to totally seize the moment. And since it's, I don't want to say totally foreign to Jordan Morris, because he has played with other U.S. teams. But, he has. But playing against Mexico, I do this in air quotes, at an away match for the U.S. Technic- yeah, really. Anything <laughs> you know, in south San Antonio. Of, you know, Miss, uh, St. Louis is pretty much an away match. Right. So um, for him to step into that, I think what may have helped him a bit is that naivete of, yeah, it's just I, I, he doesn't fully understand that moment. Exactly. And it played in his favor. He's a sophomore in college. He's 20 years old. I mean, yeah, we've heard of younger players like Julian Green and stuff. but Julian They're professionals. Green, He's exactly. a professional. He's being right. played. Julie, um, Jordan Morris, after this game, went back to Stanford and went back to class. 
And you almost wonder, you know, with, with the league still growing, granted that game got huge ratings, but you almost wonder how many people had not realized what he had just gone through. No, I don't think so. I don't think on people the Stanford fully. campus. Yeah, it's it, I. I wouldn't know what to do with it. But it was funny watching the national anthem. I was watching it with my fiance, and I was trying to give her brief little snippets about you know why this game was important. Because sure. she's like, "Why is the U.S. Mexico game on?" I was like, "Okay, here we go. Let's you know U.S. Mexico dos a zero one one as it were. Let's give you this fast." But uh, and I told her who Jordan Morris was, and she was looking at him, and she's like, "He looks really nervous." I'm like, oh, "He is." I'm like, I was like, "He. It's his first start. It's his third cap overall. It's his first start." And she's like, it was obvious. And and you think about he's he's not only playing with MLS players, he's he's playing with DeAndre Yedlin, who just got uh, his first few minutes with the first team yep, in the Tottenham. Premier League. He's playing with somebody like Michael Bradley, who has been to Italy, he's been to Germany, he's been to England. And here's this guy coming out of Stanford College, yeah. you know, uh, Stanford University. I honestly don't know what it is, but here he is, a sophomore in college, yep. stepping on the field with, with the seasoned pros. Yeah, you're going to be a little nervous. Yeah, I hope just you're a nervous. little bit. I hope so. But yes, he finally sees the moment in the 49th minute, capturing a beautiful goal. Ball played in from Michael Bradley, then ended up finding Jesse Zardes, who was able to have the ball slide out. And Morris did what a normal forward is supposed to do. You continued his run and finished beautifully. And you, as soon as that, as soon as he shot the ball, I'm like, it's in. And it, but and the it was, confidence he exuded it on was that a beautiful, play. It was very confident. Because mm-hmm. normally, you know, your first real start, your first real look at goal all game, a thousand things could go wrong, and he kept his head down, and he slotted the ball home perfectly, and thus resulting in his first international goal. Now, there's rumors of whether or not he'll go to MLS. He did play for the Seattle Sounders Academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Sounders did try to sign him they along did. with a few yep. other teams, saying, hey, you should come play. And he's like, no, I want to finish college and probably do the Super Draft or something like that. But because he has the ties to the Sounders Academy, I don't know if they have first dibs on him. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not sure, sure how that works. Yeah, yeah, since he'll have gone to college, probably have graduated if he sticks to his guns on that. Yeah. I'm not quite sure how that works anymore with a homegrown player or anything like that. Exactly. And then we see this continued difference between, you know, college basketball and college football players. Obviously, the soccer world operates in a totally different manner. You can't play in academies for, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks or the Green Bay Packers. Like, there's no academy for that. No, the closest they have in the NBA now is obviously the uh, National Basketball Development League. Yeah, the D League. But even then, that tends to be more of uh, players being shuffled down there not yeah. so much for you know not so much to develop players like in soccer how it is used to yes. develop players and you from can, a young age and you can kind of maybe make an argument for the, like the the double a triple a of baseball the farm system sure, as it were. sure I mean, that that's the closest i feel like but even then you've got usl pro for something like you exactly know, if you're really going to compare it that way or nasl being our second division um but <laughs> Who scored our second goal for the U.S.? That would be the New England Revolution's <laughs> very own Juan Agadello. I had to let you have that I one. thank you so much for that. <laughs> I was hoping I would. In the 72nd minute, Juan Agadello, a very good single effort by him, was able to turn over a defender and then fire a shot. And yes, the keeper got a full hand to it, mm-hmm. but there was so much pace on that shot that it skipped off his hand into the back of the net. And, and ironically, th- he, he came in for Morris. He did. And he came in uh, within seven minutes later. We see him getting the goal. What a great story that is as well. He's been he was away in Europe going through his gypsy travels yeah. trying to he hadn't find even really a team. played in about mm-hmm. a year and a half. And he hadn't scored for the US national team in three years. So that was a long time coming for long him. Long time. He's yeah. not even that old. No, he's not. And the fact no. that he has been around, I feel like, for three years is very impressive. But we saw a lot of players for the U.S. men's national team. Uh, I think William Yarbrough was an interesting story coming on at halftime as the goalie. He plays in uh, Liga MX. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, I don't know if you saw this when you watched the game. There was a brief moment in the second half where 
somebody played the ball back to Yarbrough in goal, and he didn't use his hands. I think he like like kicked it up to himself and like chested it and caught it. And they showed Klinsman's face at the same time, and he was like grabbing his heart, like <laughs> like oh, like why did you do that? The other assistant coaches were laughing because I think they were up two nil at that point. But even still, he was just like. Like that boy, like what is he doing? <laughs> right, like you right. know, it was it was a funny moment to see. But um, Simon, we both have our official uh, player ratings uh, for this game um, out of a one through ten scale. So sure. would you like to start, or would you like well, me to? Well, let's have you start. Okay, I will go through the starting lineup, and then we'll go back to the subs later. Sounds but, good. Uh, starting in goal was Nick Romando. Uh, I gave him a six purely because he didn't do a lot. Okay, he did okay. see the ball a few times, and he did react well, but. There was not enough big saves or big moments that he got called into action. I was like, yep, he clearly deserves an 8 or a 9 or a 10. He gets right. a shutout, yeah, obviously. You know, I would, I'm going to agree with the 6, but for a different reason. Usually, okay. usually, you know, a lot of people give a keeper a 5 if they didn't have much to do. But I'm going to bump it up just one, maybe a 5.5. Sure. Because of the move that Romando had with his feet. As he had yes. the Mexican player yep. coming at him, he chopped it. He's done that in the league before too, and, uh, and totally burned that player. So it was I, good, I give man. him, I give him credit for that. So I'll maybe give him a five and a half. As a thing, that? as a coach watching, you just have to be like, ah, what yeah. are you doing? Like that's the last, literally the last person between you and you know the, the forward and the goal, and he just like does a cute little move, and the fans loved it. The US well, fans and that loved it. that also shows how the game has changed since I was a kid. You know, keepers yeah. didn't work on their footwork. No. it was it was all about making the saves and distributing <laughs> that ball. But you see a lot of keepers now with great footwork, mm-hmm. and I. No, Alexi Lalas likes to remind people of Romando's great ability that if he wanted to, he could be a field player. He probably could. I mean, he's kind of ageless like Kyle Beckerman in that regard. Right. Um, looking at the back four, you had DeAndre Yedlin, Omar Gonzalez, Ventura Alvarado, and Greg Garza. Uh, I gave Garza and Yedlin both sixes. Uh, I believe that there were times during the match that DeAndre Yedlin looked lost and mm-hmm. forgot how mm-hmm. to have a first touch. And Alexi Lalas mentioned this numerous times that Yedlin's speed – is almost a smokescreen because he can get to the ball fast, he can retain the ball quickly, but then he almost forgets what to do with it after that. Yeah, and I'm actually going to give him a five just for that reason as well. We, we still, that's one of the things that as a soccer nation we have to develop, an eye for skill. We still have this habit of, ooh, that's a big player. Let's get him on the team. Ooh, that's a fast player. Yep. Let's get him on the team. That's got to be secondary to the footwork that's You're right. out there. And and Yedlin did look a bit lost. I'll, I will mark that up to him finally breaking through with hot spurs and, and getting that yep. first start and, and really focusing on his club situation. Um, but the fact of the matter is it's Mexico. They know how to play against this team, and you got to do better than that. So exactly. I'm going with a five. Okay. Um, um, for Garza you talked about. Yeah, I'm going to agree with a six as well. I yeah. thought he – I still think he is he's our left back. I like him. I, I honestly like Greg Garza, and I think that's why I gave him a six because he did enough, but he wasn't called into action a ton as well. So you can only judge him off of so much. But when he had the ball, he looked like a solid left back option. He's a little bit bigger than a Fabian Johnson and some of those other guys in terms of physicality. Height-wise, he's probably about the same height as Fabian, but he really gave those Mexican wingers and forwards a lot of issues because of his physicality. When I see him in there, I just see him really control that left side. And yeah. That's what you want from your left back. I don't, I don't care if he's going forward or not. You mm-hmm. know, like when Shea's in there, he'll, he'll make his runs forward. It's great if you can do that, but first and foremost, I want to see you back there making those players realize that, you know what, we can't, we can't keep going down our right side of the field because their left back is... Yeah, so strong. Exactly, and that's I think something that the U.S. has kind of struggled with, depending on who is in Fabian Johnson, kind of like a DeAndre Yedlin, except with a little bit better footwork, but also he's developed into more of an attacking player now too. Looking at the center backs, Omar Gonzalez, I gave him a seven mm. because of the clean sheet. 
He did help post the clean sheet. But he had a lot of he had a lot of header clearances. He did as have well. a lot of header clearances, but there were times where he looked slow and sloppy at times. Where the Mexican players were Eric Cubo Torres. He's not a bad player by any means, but he's not the elite Mexican attacking players that they. If their first team would have been in there, I feel like they would have almost had a field day with some of the mistakes Gonzalez made. Yeah, I'm a bit. I, I'll admit I'm a bit subjective on this. I'm still not sold on Omar Gonzalez. He, I'm not either. He I did like better in the World Cup than I thought he would. He did, yes. Um, but. He makes me nervous when he's back there. Yes. Now I'll ask you this. Would you prefer, if you had to pick one, Gonzalez or Matt Beasler? You only can, if you mm, only have one, you have one spot to fill in that center back line, it's Gonzalez or Matt Beasler. Who yeah, is I it? don't feel confident with either of those two. <laughs> uh, if this was a year ago, I'd, I can tell you I'd be saying Beasler. But Same for me. He's, yeah. not, he's not been having a great season in MLS, um, you know, obviously doing well. Sporting's doing better, and that all sure. starts with their back line. I, I, I'll tell you what. I'd go with Gonzalez. Today, <laughs> today, right at, at you know on, on uh, April twenty first, two thousand fifteen, right. you take him. All right, uh, and then I gave Venturo Alva, Alvarado an eight. Uh, he, we were trying to figure out who the official man of the match was. He was the one that won man of Is the that match right? because, because Jordan, Jordan Morris. Do you want to explain that to the sure. people that so, don't know? So Jordan Morris, uh, they wanted to name him man of the match. But since he's a college student, they couldn't because the award is sponsored by Budweiser. Mm, and he's only 20. He's not, he's not even that's, legal that's drinking That's what it is. Age, that's, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. He's 20, so he's not 21. He's not legal drinking age. So because the award is sponsored by <laughs> Budweiser, they oh couldn't award gosh. the award to him. But it, he did get a nice consolation prize. Michael Bradley gave him the, the flag, the Mexican flag, that's right. that, the banner that the captains the banner, exchanged yes. before the game. So he didn't give him any beer, unfortunately. But <laughs> he got the. I would take the captain flag, too, over you know some of that. But I gave Alvarado an 8. I thought he looked very good. That's the first time I'd ever seen him play, but I thought out of between well, he, him he and Gonzalez. Played, he played in the either the Denmark or the Switzerland game. Okay, I didn't get very, a chance to catch those okay, games. That's okay. probably why. Whichever one it was, he was very sloppy, and I was nervous seeing him in here again. Though I appreciate Klinsman giving him another shot because yes. you play your first game, um, unlike Jordan Morris, <laughs> you got to expect those nerves to really be Especially on the in. defense. Right, yes. I feel yes. like it's almost more pressure on a first start on defense than it is on offense. So I'd almost give him an eight for that, but I'm actually I'm going to still keep him at a six because because of his sloppy play. And there were there were instances where I thought, oof, he's still he's working in this. He's doing much better. But uh, I'd like to see him do even better to, to give me that confidence as a viewer, as, as a yes. fan of the team. Yep. Uh, looking at the midfield, they had four midfielders in there. Kyle Beckerman, Mix Diskaru, Joe Corona, and Michael Bradley. Uh, Beckerman, I gave him a six because I thought he did just enough to help out. I, I agree with that. I actually gave him a six as well. And, and part of that uh, is he he did a lot of the work that needed to be done. Yep. He couldn't distribute that ball, but I actually don't put that on him. I thought some of that movement was lacking from the off-ball movement from the players. There was, yes. So he couldn't distribute the ball like we did see him distribute during the World Cup. Yes. Yep, he had that. He partnered with Jermaine Jones a lot and Bradley as well and did a great job of distribution, but also tracking back on defense as well. And he's uh, on the other side of 30 as well, yet still looked pretty good during the World Cup. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. in this game, he didn't look terrible, but like I said, he, that, I, the note I have is he did just enough to help out. I agree with that. Wasn't dynamic, didn't change the game, but he did enough. Which is okay. Sometimes that's all you want from a player. Exactly. You know, you don't have to always be the game changer to get a higher ranking. 
but you got to do your job. Yes. Yep, exactly. Now, I gave uh, Mix Discarude an 8 because I thought he was absolutely dynamic Great on the right wing. Box to box. The I whole haven't way. seen him play that style of soccer in a long time. And I was thrilled by it. And you could hear the commentators, they kept mar- remarking about Mix Discarude. He'll go away when he needs to, and then he comes back and makes those plays. And it wasn't like he goes away like he's not being used. He knew how to drift up and down the right wing and then shoot in for that ball from Bradley. And again, talking about distribution, he was one of those players that no matter what, he seemed to be able to get that ball to whoever. Yeah, left to that foot, right game. foot. You found a way to get yeah, it in. I, I totally agree with that eight, Baxter. Okay, uh, Joe Corona. This man surprised me. Now, Joe Corona has had many uh, mixed reviews. Uh, he was causing trouble up and down the field, especially from a physical standpoint. I thought he might get yellow carded. I don't think he ever ended up going in the book, but he was very physical, and he frustrated Mexico's midfield a lot because they weren't expecting. I feel like a player of Corona, who's not a very big guy. But he still caused a lot of issues and did make some really good runs as well. Well, it wasn't just the Mexico team that he was frustrating, I'll be honest with you. Yes. He, was, he was frustrating me as well. Um, I, I'm a big cheerleader for this guy. I want to see him do well. Um, but I'm actually going to give him a six. He had a few decent passes in there. Um, but he lost the ball way too many times for my liking. Sure, um, yeah. You know, he had some nice one-on-ones that he won, but uh, he, you got to win more balls to get a higher grade. No, I, I, okay, that's fair. Uh, Michael Bradley, the captain, I gave him a 9. Um, the only reason I didn't give him a 10 is there is a few times where he was just a little too excited for things to happen, and he would play a ball too quick, and guys weren't running or ready, and some, maybe that's on the other players too, but... He controlled the field, and he looked like he was the captain. He was the general of the field. The entire game went through Michael Bradley, and he commanded it wonderfully. Yeah, I, I will agree with that. I'd, I'd probably give him an eight and a half, to be honest with you. I think I'm a little – I'm a professor, so maybe I'm a little tougher yeah, on my right? grade. <laughs> but uh, give him he, an AB, he, he contributed an on both goals. He did. So that's – that's why he gets that point five instead of just the eight. Okay. Uh, but I agree with you. He was a general on the field. We saw the Michael Bradley of yore. Yes. You know, we saw the Michael, the pre-World Cup Michael Bradley. That, uh, and again, you don't know if that goes up to them just knowing how the Mexican team plays since they play each other so often and he's just really confident when he, when he gets to play against Mexico or if we're si- seeing that rebirth of, uh, of the general. Yeah, that's very possible. Had he played this way that he did uh, during, if he would have played like this during the World Cup or like he played leading up to the World Cup, I would like to make a solid argument that the U.S. would have gone farther than they did. That's a very because fair Bradley's assessment. Because He had a horrible lag. World Cup. He did. I mean, let's look at, look at the ball he gave away against Portugal. That led yeah. to them tying up the, the, the game. Yep, exactly. It, it's, it's true, uh, and it's hard to know. And that's the thing with soccer, too. It's so, such a hard game to fully wrap your mind around unless you're actually in the moment. So you don't know what these players are dealing with. What he was dealing with pre World Cup, post, you know, during the World Cup, after, especially in a game like a rivalry game, right? You know, you could be having the worst week ever, but it's like, hey, this is U.S. Mexico, got to step up, and we saw that from him. And along with that, you know, the Klinsman's a big fan of the diamond in the midfield. He is, and, and he used it against Mexico again. And I, th- I'm really hoping that this is the evolutionary step in that diamond because mm-hmm. the U.S. has struggled when they played that diamond. Yes. But when you have Bradley up on top of that diamond playing well, as well as he did against Mexico, that's recipe for success. Yeah, I completely, and that was an argument that Alexi Alales kept bringing up as well during the broadcast. He's like, where do you play Michael Bradley? Because he has these games where he is all over the field mm-hmm. or games where he's like, is Bradley on the field right now? Like, I don't, I don't know where he is. Like, he's just, it's so hard, but. And that's the thing when you pair him up with Jermaine Jones, they're, they're almost so much 
they are alike that you don't know who to put where. A lot of times they would get caught up field together, yeah. even when they're trying to play that diamond. Exactly, and that's that's hard. And we'll definitely see what happens once Jones uh, comes back if he goes back to the defense or if he does scoot up to that midfield spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at the two forwards, Jassy Zardis and Jordan Morris, I gave Zardis a five. I thought he tried to play too much like Josie Altidore, and he's not built for that. He's not built for that. We've and we actually talked about this. We completely agreed on this before the show. Yep. That yes, Zardis was was trying to. Play play that Josie Altidore role when really I don't think he had to. No. Uh, I don't think so. You know, he's 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 more of a skill player. Josie's great at holding players up, getting that ball and and being tough on it and getting that spin around and taking that shot on goal. Zardis is more of a of a technique-based player. Mm-hmm. He'll he'll take players on one-on-one. He'll make those fantastic runs into the box and be served it. Uh, you know, and not to hold up the play, but to actually take those one-touch strikes. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what Klinsman probably told him, too, going into the game, saying, look, Josie's not here for this game. We need you to be a Josie-like. And Alalis kept criticizing him for that, saying he's not holding up play. He's not playing that traditional center-forward spot. And rightfully so, he really wasn't. You right. Know, I like right. Zardes on the wing. I think that's what he does best, especially for L.A. He let, they let Robbie Keane run the offense in the front, and then Zardes kind of drifts around on the wings, and then they feed him, and he scores bunches of goals like he normally does. Uh, Jordan Morris, I gave him a six. Once he got over his nerves, uh, I thought he did good. His scoring that goal obviously is important. I don't think he did enough to earn a higher grade than a six, at least in my book. Uh, there were times where he had moments of brilliance, but then times where he looked like a college kid on the field. Yeah, I will. Uh, I, he didn't really appear much in the first few minutes of the game because of those nerves. Um, I think I'd probably give him a little bit higher than that, believe it or not, just because I'm giving him some extra credit for being, again, not to sound like a professor, right? But I'm giving him some extra credit for being only a <laughs> sophomore in college playing on such a huge stage. Yes, he, he took a while to get into the game, but a straight-up professional would have a tough time yes. in their first cap playing into that game. Oh, of course. But once he did, man, obviously he scores a goal. And, yeah, I'm going to give extra points for somebody who puts that goal in there. Nothing so, wrong with so that So you gave all. him a six, I'm going to give him a seven. Okay. That's, I think it's the first one you've rated someone higher that than is, I have. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, it's a college student. I've got a little soft uh, place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I appreciate that. You never do that for my papers when you grade them. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, uh, looking at the rest, um, there were four subs that weren't used. Um, of that, uh, Lee Wynn from the Revolution, Julian Green, once again, why does he get called if he doesn't play? Chris Wondolowski and then Matt Beasley as well so uh two forwards ish with julian green it depends on the day right the midfielder and then matt beasler not coming in but they would they have been helpful i don't i don't know i don't think yeah. wando would have i think the three guys that played with juan agadello coming in was a needed burst of it would have been nice to see lee win back in there since they were playing so well yeah i'd like to see how he fits into a system like that i probably would have put win on for maybe bradley or disgrude i mean yes bradley played in the whole game he did have a tremendous game but even once they were up 2-0, I would have probably put in win and said, you know what, Bradley, you've done a fantastic job. Let's let some of these other sure. guys that haven't played as much come on in. Um, of the subs- I'm sorry, but especially knowing there were MLS games to be played yeah, on the weekend. Exactly, and we saw a TFC drop, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But um, looking at all the subs that did come in, you had William Yarbrough in goal, Breck Shea on defense, Perry Kitchen in the midfield, a little surprised by that, Brad Evans, even more surprised by that, Miguel Ibarra, and uh, Juan Agudelo. Out of all of those, I gave Agudelo a 7. Oh, you um, have to. Uh, you did. 
out of all the subs that came in, he got the best grade. I don't really feel like we need to talk about the other subs. Breck well, Shea did kind of. I thought Breck Shea played well. He did play well. He did. Uh, he did come in for Garza at left back. Yep. Um, and we saw him again make some of those runs, try to try to spark himself up into the uh, Mexican defense. Mm-hmm. Which again, I'm okay with that as long as you're not getting goals scored against you. On exactly. The other end. If you can track back, and I think that the U.S. have three solid options at that left back now with Garza, Fabian Johnson, and Breck yeah. Shea. Yeah, I was happy to see Ibarra finally get in the game and actually get some decent minutes. And he didn't do anything special, but. I thought he did well enough for, uh, you know, again, a five like we'd give a goalkeeper who yeah. who wasn't there to do much. Exactly. And it's funny because at the you at one point had an NASL player on the field, you had a college student on the field, and then you had international, MLS, Europeans. That's a great all observation. All on the same team. Yeah. And I just, for anybody else, if you had told that uh, U.S. fans even 10 years ago, maybe not even that far, maybe four years ago, they would have oh, been, right. been right. like, what? Why is a college kid playing? Why is an NASL guy playing? Like right. You don't understand that. But now the concept with the fact that Ibarra is changing the game of the NASL and now part of Minnesota United as well. And here's the old man perspective. Back yeah. when I started watching that. Back in your day. They were all college kids. That's true. Only John Harks was a professional player, and that was because he went from college over to play with Sheffield Wednesday in England. Wow. Everybody else was a college student. I love it. The more you know. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, U.S. women's national team roster has been released. And then we're going to take a look at the weekend in review and the CONCACAF Champions League final. Don't go anywhere. This is Two Up Front. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, Simon, we're going to chat briefly about the 2015 Women's World Cup roster for the United States. Jill Ellis, the head coach, officially releasing the group of 23 women that will represent the United States. Yeah, she released this a little bit early. Sorry, I cut you off there. No, you're fine. <laughs> but she released it a little bit earlier than uh, most people expected, it seems. She like. did, and I think that it was a smart move, too, because a lot of people were... Pretty much assuming that most of these players, I haven't heard too much scandal or controversy that's like, oh, this player was left off the roster, to my knowledge. I could be totally wrong in that. But now, do you think some of that is people still learning about the women's game? I think so, yeah. I mean, you look at a lot of these names on the roster, and it's pretty much obvious that these are the players you know. When you identify U.S. women's soccer, obviously Hope Solo, obviously Abby Wambach, Alex Morgan, those are going to be the first, you know, probably three names out of any you know, kind of even casual sure, U.S. Sure, women's yeah. fan, and along with all the other players on the roster. But looking at this roster, Simon, uh, they're going to bring three goalkeepers, rightfully so, uh, Ashlyn Harris, uh, Alyssa Nair, and Hope Solo. Uh, nine times out of ten, Hope Solo is going to more than likely start. I don't see why she wouldn't. This is her third World Cup. Third World Cup. I hope she's – I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I'm not a fan of her personal life, let me no, just say No, I think a lot of people really aren't. And, I, and there was questions of whether or not Jill Ellis was going to actually even bring her because right. of the off-field issues. But realistically, I think this will probably be Hope's last, last World Cup. 
Uh, I think this is going to be there's going to be a massive changing of the guard after this World Cup. I think Cup. there will have to be because yeah, a few of these players like Abby as well. Abby Wambach is getting up there. Yeah, this uh, is Abby Wambach's fourth World Cup. I mean, you gotta. After everything she's gone through, she's broken her leg. She's right, you know lost right. blood on the field. She's yes. had numerous injuries, and darn it, she's going one more World Cup. And you Cup. do hope for somebody like her that she finally gets it. She gets it. Yeah, because yeah. she just missed the when the women won it back in ninety. Was it four eight? The last time they won it was uh, 99. 99, I'm sorry. That's when they beat China in the Rose Bowl. That's right. Yep, and Abby Wambach was not a part of that. I don't don't think so. I'd have to do the math. 11, 7, no, no. I think she missed it. I think she missed that one. I don't know how to do math quickly. That was the Brandy Chastain taking off the shirt moment. Yep, and this honor knee is going crazy Mm -hmm, with everybody mm -hmm. else. Um, So looking through the rest of the roster, uh, they're bringing eight defenders with them. Uh, Lauren Chepley, uh, Whitney Engine, a really exciting young product. Julie Johnson, uh, Megan Klingenberg, Allie Krieger, another exciting product. Uh, Kelly O'Hara, Christine Rampone. She is playing in her fifth World Cup. Yeah, and I'm just I'm looking here right now. She's ageless. <laughs> there are only four other players in the world to have done that. Christine Lilly of the U.S. Yep. Formiga of Brazil. Oh sure. Uh, Birgit Prinz, the the great Birgit Prinz of mm-hmm. Germany, won many uh, female players of the year awards, and then uh, Sawa of Japan. So. So we see Those, now another U.S. Major player. Respect, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So good for them to have that, and then uh, they conclude with. Uh, Becky Sauerburn as well. So that defense is full of a lot of options. Now you get to the exciting part of the team, uh, the midfielders and the forwards. Uh, they're taking seven midfielders. Uh, Shannon Box, a four-year, four-World Cup veteran. A little. I think if there's any question, maybe you'd be adding Box. But it's the. I think it's the leadership. It is, and, and the toughness factor of who she is. I agree. Yep. I don't know if she'll start, but sure. I think having her presence there will be huge. Uh, Morgan Bryan from the Houston Dash, she's just an exciting product and has been really exploding. Tobin Heath, really one of the next great attackers. Yeah, I'm excited about her. Now, are you are you a Portland Thorns of FC? Of course I am. Okay, yes. I didn't know if uh, some because I don't know how close you follow the NWSL. PTFC. There you go. No matter what, no matter That's which right. way you look at it, exactly. Uh, Lauren Holiday, she's a great player for FC Kansas City. Carly Lloyd. Probably the most dynamic midfielder the U.S. has seen in a long time. I mean, you can make arguments about Megan Rapino and then Mia Hamm and a lot of the other great ones. But Carly Lloyd, in her third World Cup, well, this is her, she's a three World Cup mm-hmm. veteran this will now. Be fourth, right? Yep, so right. she is really looking forward to being able to make a name for herself. And she's been bloodied, she's done everything. She has had some brilliant goals during the World Cup years, and it'll be another great time to see her. Uh, then you look at Heather O'Reilly and then Megan Rapino. Megan Rapino, obviously, with that highlight reel cross against Brazil to Abby Wambach mm-hmm. in extra time uh, to let the U.S. win that game uh, in the 2001 World Cup. Uh, qual- or 11. 11, right. yep, yeah, in 2011, yeah. yep. And then you look at the forwards, arguably the most talented group of forwards. Uh, I think it's hard to compare them to the men's game, but not many even international men's teams have this much depth and attacking prowess between five players. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Sydney LaRue Dwyer. Now, I wonder if she's going to get the hyphen jersey. I doubt it. but Because uh, Alex Morgan's married, too, technically. Did you know that Sydney LaRue and Alex Morgan's husbands play for SKC? I did not know they that. They both really? play for sporting, oh, okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, who is Alex Morgan's husband? I do don't know, know his okay, name. Okay. I don't know. Um, I, somebody made the uh, joke the other day. It's like, wow, if uh, their husbands score as much as they do, I mean, they'll be the best players in MLS. Right, I'm like, yeah, it's true. Yeah. I mean, that'd be great. Uh, so Alex Morgan. Uh, then you have Kristen Press, a very exciting young product. Uh, Amy Rodriguez. And then the veteran, Abby Wambach. Arguably, 
Is she the greatest or top two or three? It's hard you, to compete against Mia. Michelle Ak- Michelle Akers and Mia Hamm will always be, for me, the two best U.S. women players of all time. And then you probably – Abby's got to be third. You sure. Almost, you sure, al- you can put her up there. You almost yeah. have to yeah. say. I mean, not you know for sure. It's but. tough because those teams – it's tough to say because those teams in the 90s, um, early, early 90s through the late 90s, those teams, uh, you know, the pioneers of the game basically yes. – they had a lot of great players, but then you look at how much the women's game has grown worldwide now. Mm-hmm. Um, you wonder would would a Mia Hamm, a Michelle Akers, if they were playing now, would they be as dominant now That's as they question, were then? Yeah. So it's it's one of those. Can you really have that argument? I, I, Probably not. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. And it's the game has evolved so much, and the speed and the pace of the game especially has really evolved. And I did find one interesting thing. The youngest player on the team is Morgan Bryan. She's 22. Uh, the oldest is uh, Rampone. Uh, she'll be turning 40 during the tournament on oh. June 24th. Shannon Box is 38. Uh, and then uh, you also look at two other fun facts. All nine of the NWSL clubs have a player or two representing them on the roster. Uh, and then 15 players on this roster, Simon, have all played for the USA in a FIFA Women's World Cup at the youth level. That's excellent because that's experience that you need to have. That's what can be so frustrating on the men's side is not qualifying for these big tournaments, not qualifying for the Olympics as they did the last time around. Um, that They didn't qualify is what I'm saying the last time yep. around. That's experience that you can't teach, obviously, and that's one of Klinsman's biggest concerns. But the flip side is, this is Klinsman's system. Exactly. Yeah, so, that's just kind of how he is. And you can, it's hard to compare women's coaches, you know, with P.S. Sure, Hagi and yeah. Jill Ellis to, I mean, Tom Sermani for a very brief moment, compared to Jurgen Klinsman, Bruce Arena, um, who is Brad, Bob Bradley. Bradley. I couldn't think of sure. his name. But, Bora uh, Militinovic. Sure. Bob Gansler. Oh, yeah, I've heard of him. Okay, I've heard of him. Okay, I was like, ah, you lost me. Uh, But speaking of qualifying, uh, it takes a lot to qualify for a major tournament. And uh, segueing over to the CONCACAF Champions League final, uh, the first of the two legs uh, begins tomorrow evening. Uh, The Montreal Impact will be taking on Club America. Uh, It's... At a sold-out Estadio Azteca, 105,000 people. It'll be the largest crowd in CONCACAF Champions League history. Which is amazing, and I'm sure there'll be even more people trying to sneak ways into that game. Now, it's funny because you look at... It's really David and Goliath, no matter which way you Absolutely. look at it. Absolutely. Because, yes, you, can, you have to give Montreal credit. They've made it this far. They've made it all the way to the final. Only one other MLS team has ever done it in history, RSL. Uh, in the CONCACAF Champions League setting, right. that is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they have made it this far, and then you flip back to how they do in MLS, and they are just atrocious. Well, I think part of that is their because, focus right now yes. is on Champions League. You know, I'd look at Everton, uh, my club that I support in the Premier League. The Europa League has traditionally hurt teams mm-hmm. in their league play and not for that great of a uh, payoff. Mm -hmm. We look at Everton. When they were playing in the Europa League, they were doing great in Europa, but they're doing horrible in the Premier League. Yes. Ever since they've been out of Europa League, (laughs) they're on like a six-game non-losing streak. Look at that. I love it, non-losing, which means they probably (laughs) tied a lot of games. Well, I think it's – well, they've had two or three wins in a row now, but but the point is is much better results while they weren't in the league. Exactly. So we have Montreal. Their season's just starting for MLS, really, when you look at it. It's a long season. They've got plenty of time. Um, So if they're focused on doing well in CONCACAF, the league has been supportive. You've had two teams now already uh, postpone games. So yep. Montreal can focus on Champions Very League. Very professionally done. I, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's as big of as an anomaly when you look at the intricate ways in which uh, 
CONCACAF Champions League versus MLS works with a specific team like Montreal. I think they're purposely focusing on Champions League, which is why they're doing so exactly. poorly and you in have MLS. To, and for a normal MLS fan, you would understand that. But as an outsider looking in, you're like, well, Montreal's awful. They'll get killed. Well, all their eggs are in the proverbial you know, CONCACAF basket right now because they want to have a good result. And obviously, if Club America comes in and just blows them out, I think some people will can still say, well, look, this was still a good step for MLS as a whole. Well, absolutely. It kind of um, all depends on how you want to look I, at it, though. I do think they're going to do well at home. I it's, think so. And then speaking of which, at home, they've already sold over or, over or very near 60,000 tickets Holy up in Montreal. Cow. So this is what's exciting about this is we're seeing the whole region really start to respect the Champions League, mm-hmm. which we haven't seen before. No. Um, so we're, we're seeing a final that has two sold-out games, and, of course, one of those being at Azteca. That, that's huge. It um, is. You know, what we could see is Montreal really exploit Club America with the counterattack, and I think that's really what they have to base it on because mm-hmm. they need to hold back on that defense. Hey, we saw how big it was that Montreal didn't allow goals yes. in the last two series at home. Yep. If they can do the same thing here, granted, we saw what Club America did to Hardianao. Uh, Oh, my gosh. You know, That's putting six up six goals. goals. Yep. Um, we could see that at home. But the only way Montreal can set themselves up for success in that second leg is obviously by doing so well in the first leg. Yes. Do you have a, a brief prediction for tomorrow night's game in Azteca? Oh, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm, as much as I'm talking here about if they can, um, <laughs> if they can hold Club America, I'm going to go with 4 nothing. Club mm. America tomorrow I was, night. Okay. I was going to be generous and go 3-1. Okay. I think Montreal will find a goal in a weird way. And, you know, I said that a little bit wrong. I was, I was speaking as if they are playing at home first. They're not playing at home. They're playing away. Yes. If they can get a goal tomorrow, that will be huge. Absolutely huge. Uh, but I'm, I'm knowing how well Club America played its last two rounds. I mean, it, it took out a Saprissa. Five nothing, and Saprice is one of the giants of Concacaf. Mm-hmm. It's true. Um, and let's face it, Club America is one of the two or three giants of our region. Yes. So, and they're taking this tournament very seriously. Yep, that is very true. And it'll be interesting to see how it transpires over the next uh, was it next week and a half or two weeks, I believe, is when the uh, tournament as a whole will be concluding. Uh, looking back briefly, uh, we will not have predictions for you today. We'll have them on Thursday. Uh, that way we can have a better idea of what's going on. We had a lot to squeeze in today's show. Uh, before we go to one last break and then come back to play, I believe, uh, Simon, a brief review of uh, the week that was in MLS. Uh, you saw a few teams play two games, uh, New York City uh, FC and Philadelphia Union on Thursday. Uh, they tied 1-1. Uh, Manny Bellucci had a beautiful curling left-footed shot, yes, but then Philly did. found a way to play the bad guys. Uh, they were both the teams uh, that will be playing another game again later on. Uh, and then you look ahead to the New York Red Bulls continuing to be unbeaten. We'll have to have a solid discussion about whether or not they deserve the first-place spot in our power rankings or if Vancouver uh, deserves that spot. But they also have three games over New yeah, York. Yeah, that, that's a game, that 2-0 win over San Jose. That was, uh, boy, they just completely controlled that That was a statement win for them. Yes, it was. It really was. Uh, D.C. United and Houston Dynamo on Saturday tied 1-1. Not too much of a surprise, I don't think, on that one. It wasn't anything too great. Uh, Columbus going 3-0 on Orlando. I was a bit surprised by that. And that's yeah, right. we both were. We both picked Orlando in our predictions. Because um, we haven't seen enough from Columbus that's yet. That's right. That's right. So maybe we finally are. But the next game, Dallas and Toronto. I was 
watching as much as I could. They had a huge rain delay in the middle of that game. Yeah. Uh, by the time they came back on, I think 15 people were left in the stands. <laughs> uh, but you're watching FC Dallas. They're up 3 nothing, And then Giovinco from Toronto gets a restart goal, which was amazing. And then he puts in one more goal. I think they were a minute or two minutes apart. And I'm starting to yeah. think... Oh, boy, because you picked Toronto FC. Yeah. I picked FC Dallas, which, by the way, you're up on me three games overall. I? Okay. So I was really excited thinking, hey, I'm finally going to get a win yep, here. Yep. And uh, thankfully I still did. You but did. But Giovinco, man, he, he single-handedly made that an interesting game at the end there. He did. And I, I went back and checked this game, too, and all the stars were on the field. Bradley they were. and Altidore they were. and Giovinco. But, again, you had Altidore, uh, not sorry, not Altidore, Bradley on 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the, with and he the wasn't US very team. effective. I know you're looking right. at his stats and Josie's stats. They weren't effective at all, and it's just an odd anomaly to me personally. Sure. Uh, Seattle and Colorado, the Sounders go 3-1 on the Rapids. Some people thought that since Colorado put up four on FC Dallas last week, there was an opportunity for another uh, upset. No, not, no. not happening. We Seattle shut the door. Yeah. Oba Femi Martins, <laughs> did you see the goal that he Beautiful had? goal. Gets the ball over the top, does a spin around, puts it in the goal. It was another uh, nomination for goal of the week. It might be, and people are already saying goal of the year candidate as well. Uh, and then Vancouver going 1-0 against RSL. I think I had RSL in this game. Uh, no, you had Vancouver. I did had I? RSL. Really? The red cards are killing oh, me, though. Right. I, wasn't here. I know, that's right. <laughs> yes, Real Salt Lake gets a red card. Uh, there was another game game that somebody else got a red card that messed me up in my predictions as well. But those are the unpredictable oh, things. Oh, it was Columbus. Was it Columbus? I think Columbus got a red okay. card. Uh, well, Orlando got the red card, and right, then Columbus right. was able to score. And then something happened in the Sporting LA game as well. I can't remember what that was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, Galaxy go 2-1 uh, against Sporting Kansas City, but despite uh, really good plays from Dwyer and Benny Fellhopper as well in that yeah, game. Yeah, it, it was a pretty even game, and I, I thought Sporting might pull it off with, mm-hmm. uh, with how well they're playing away against L.A., um, but Galaxy do what they do. Yes, that win yep, against they were a good sporting Kansas City team. Exactly. And then the two games on Sundays, you had the New England Revolution uh, coming from behind to beat the Philly Union 2-1. to one. Uh, Some great plays overall by that team. And then Portland getting that victory, the yeah. only game of the week. I kind of forgot. I'm like, is Portland play this week? And then sure enough, the late Sunday night game, they go 1-0 against New York City. You picked Portland, and I picked New York ha! simply because the last time I picked – Portland, they lost, and I said, "All right, I'll go with I'll go with New York on this one." Hopeful, yeah, hoping, hoping that I'm wrong for the best on that. But one. either way, I set myself for uh, set myself up to be happy either way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's kind of like that closet thing where you're like, "I really hope they, you know, I hope my pick is right." But at the same time, if they, if they defy my pick, yeah, you know, I'm not going to complain too much. And by the way, Baxter, because of that uh, Portland win, you ousted me by one game. On the predictions. I love Again. it. <laughs> I love it. Well, briefly looking at the updated standings, uh, first through sixth in the Eastern Conference, uh, you have the Red Bulls, D.C. United, Revolution, Columbus, Orlando, and Chicago. Chicago getting a little bit of luck because of, the, because of NYCFC and Philly kind of floundering at the end. They all have six points. Uh, but it's kind of a, a hot mess there in the bottom of the East. And then over the West, the top six Look teams at the are... West. you got Vancouver, FC Dallas, LA Galaxy, Seattle Sounders, San Jose Earthquakes, Houston Dynamo. But listen to this. Starting in fifth place, the Earthquakes have nine points. Houston has nine points. Real Salt Lake has nine points. Portland has nine points. Sporting has nine points. You know, the funny thing is that the Colorado Rapids, the worst team in the West, could make the playoffs in the East. 
Hypothetically, you are absolutely right. They could. I thought that it just, was, I thought just that goes was back to uh, just going back to talking about the West, West as the best and the East as the least. Exactly. All right. One more quick break, and when we come back, it'll be time for our I Believe segment. This is two up front. Don't go anywhere, folks. Welcome back to Two Up Front. I'm Baxter Colburn. And I, this is Simon I, I Proman. Si- I, I was thinking. Sorry, sorry. It's all good. I'm like, and Simon's gone. This is just one up front now. We've, we've subbed off Simon, apparently. It's like a conversation I've had with my wife many times. <laughs> Simon, are you there? Are you listening? Simon? <laughs> Simon. Hello? Mueller? Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Simon, uh, before we go today, it is time for our new, or not our new segment, but uh, the new sound for our segment. <laughs> If you haven't gathered by now, it's time for our I Believe segment. I <laughs> nice, was though. I like, so I like excited that we Very finally good. got that. Um, so, Simon, would you like to lead off for our I Believe segment before I we will. take off? I will lead off. So we've been talking about the belief in the show. I talked about uh, last week being a big believer in this show, but I'm actually going to talk about MLS attendance numbers. Okay. For the first time, it looks like MLS could finish the season with an average attendance over 20,000. Holy cow. It helps. Huge. It helps that the earthquakes are out of buckshot. It helps that Chivas USA is no longer in the league. Yes. It helps having two very successful uh, expansion clubs out of the gate. So I'm going to go with... The club is averaging over 20,000 fans a game for the first time ever. I believe the league will finish with an attendance average over 20,000. That is incredible. All right. Well, for me, uh, I am going to use my I Believe statement on the U.S. men's national team. Uh, I believe that the uh, U.S. men's national team will score uh, two goals against the Netherlands uh, when they play them on June 5th. Hey, speaking of the U.S. team, did you see that... um the U.S. Mexico game in total viewership four and a half million. I it did out, see that. It outpaced the NHL Stanley Cup playoff game between Chicago and St. Louis, Who or Chicago hockey? and whatever Nashville. I yeah. think. I don't, I don't know. I don't. Some follow. teams. And I'm not ripping on hockey. No, no, not at Soccer's all. Soccer's better. But I uh, just I was amazed uh, and happy happy to see how well the ratings were. Yes, yeah. Exactly. MLS ratings. We got those. Yeah, to keep driving them up. But another uh, exciting edition of Two Up Front. Uh, Simon, where can the good people find us on social media once they again? You can find us at Facebook at Two Up Front and on Twitter at Two Up Front Soccer. Special thanks to Wisconsin Sports Group's Allison Woo! Phillips for coming on. If you haven't heard, we are officially partnered with Wisconsin Sports Group now. 
Uh, I'm really excited for the future that we have with them and for this, the future of the show as well, Simon. Yeah, speaking of social media, please go to Wisconsin Sports Group, like their page. Uh, you'll find other pages that they have going as well. The Midwest Futsal Tournament is going on. Make sure you like that page. Go there for all the information that you need about Wisconsin Sports Group. Yes, indeed. For Simon Provan, I'm Baxter Colburn. With our manager being the one above, we are two up front. Enjoy your day, and we'll see you on Thursday. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal.